body. Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the hour of truth with Richard Lawrence and Christy Blaze. A very warm welcome to our regular listeners and those who are new to Aetherius Radio Live, brought to you on the Body, Mind, Spirit Radio every third Tuesday monthly at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. UK Time, and 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Aetherius Radio Live invites you to discover the cosmic message for this age revealed through legendary master of yoga and renowned, world-renowned medium Dr. George King between 1954 and 1997. As always, be prepared for another amazing show covering fascinating topics such as karma, UFOs, the Mother Earth, the New World, the Next Master, life on other planets, and much, much more. Today, we have a very special show on Aetherius Radio Live. For the very first time, your host, Richard Lawrence, is joined by his guest and good friend, Brian Kniep, Executive Secretary of the American Headquarters, here at the European Headquarters in London. He is here in England for the launch of Dr. King's biography, The King Who Came to Earth, co which was co-authored by him and Richard at a special event to be held in Gisborough, North Yorkshire, in celebration of the centenary year of Dr. King's birth on this planet. And we have as our guest interviewer, Darren Ball, who will be joining us, and he will be asking Richard and Brian questions about what happened behind the scenes of its writing. Hence, the title of this month's show, Biography of a Biography. So it is now my great pleasure hand over to Darren as our guest interviewer for tonight's show. Well, thank you very much, Nikki. And hi, Richard and Brian. Hi, Hello, Darren. Darren. Hi, Brian. Hi, Richard. Hi. Great to have you in, uh, in this country, Brian. It's lovely to be here as always. And thank you so much uh, to both of you, actually, for the opportunity to, to join you on the show today. Um, and to talk about it, Nikki has said, The King Who Came to Earth, the biography of Dr. George King, the medium, the master, even the cosmic avatar who was with us from 1919 to 1997. Uh, I just thought I'd say a couple words before we, we, we jump into the interview here. Um, first of all, that I firmly believe that the day this book is launched, which is actually now only days away, as Nikki has said, and during the centenary of his birth, will be remembered as a historic date and that they will rejoice on the higher realms to see a master like this begin to receive at least a fraction of the recognition that he deserves for everything that he has done for us on earth. So today is really, is really a glimpse behind the scenes, I think, into the writing of the biography. As Nikki said, this biography of a biography. And even um, what I'm really looking forward to, and especially to sharing with our listeners, some of the outstanding revelations that are made in the book, which I know will inspire and surprise even the members and staff of the Aetherius Society. So without further ado, I thought I'd kick off with a question that I've already even been asked myself, actually, and I thought I'd turn it over to, to the, the best people to answer it, which is both of yourselves, which is, what, which is you know, why Dr. King um, didn't write an autobiography himself in his own lifetime. Maybe you could shed a little bit of light on that question to lead us off today. Thanks a lot, Darren, and thank you for those words, which were very, I think, very uh, significant coming from somebody like yourself, from, a, if you like, another generation from me and Brian, and who didn't actually meet 
um, our master personally, physically, but is taking his tremendous leg legacy forward, not least through King Yoga. So welcome as our, as our guest interviewer. Wouldn't you agree, Brian? Absolutely. It's good to have a different generation uh, kick off this, this interview, very much so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um coming coming back to your question then. Sure. Um just 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 repeat the question one more time Darren just so we we go from there. Sure. Well the question that I was asked was why didn't the master write an autobiography himself in his lifetime? Yeah, and maybe that's exactly. something you could shed some light on. Yeah. Yeah, I can get we can give a, our opinions on that and I I know that Brian and I you know we we have on many, many things, actually the same views we come to, although, you know, we're perfectly uh, at liberty to disagree, but we agree on so much. It's, it's, it's fantastic, really. Um, I, I would say that one of the reasons, myself, is that our master was extremely humble, and although he had to, he did not enjoy talking about himself. Mm -hmm. So I observed, I mean, that's one of the reasons, and there's another massive reason, which is he was extremely busy, and he went from mission to mission to mission, and book to book to book, and tr project to project to project, and it never sort of fitted in. But I, I don't think, Brian, he was really motivated, particularly, although he, he knew it had to be done, and, and the job was given to one or two people to do, not Brian or myself, and they didn't actually do it for one reason or another. But he himself just didn't really fancy uh, the idea of writing a whole book about himself. Oh, I, I uh, echo that. He, he was a very shy uh, person, although sometimes it may not seem so when you listen to him give talks, but uh, he was a very shy yeah. person, and I think it would have been very... Uh, difficult um, for him to to write this, and also I think he he was a master of timing, uh, mm -hmm. and I think that perhaps uh, he knew that uh, that wasn't really the time uh, to do an autobiography, or even soon afterwards or during that time a biography. Yes, and I, I would add to that. I'd agree with that, and I'd add to it that had he written an autobiography, uh, Darren, it wouldn't have gone nearly as far. That's I can no, guarantee. No, no, as Brian no, and I went, it would have been a much more modest affair, and <laughs> he would he would have played himself down completely, <laughs> and <laughs> he wouldn't have even, for example, discussed uh, his interplanetary origins in it, which is one of no. the main purposes and aspects of this biography. Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> that being one of the one of the themes that we're going to talk about today is um, really how much he, uh, the great lengths that he went to to conceal that part of his identity. And I think I mm. certainly got that when I was reading the book. That <laughs> you know, in his modesty, we we that would not have come across as as you've been able to convey it, both of you, in, in what you've written for us. I think the mm -hmm. other interesting aspect that you brought, Brian, was about the timing, and I think that that's a great lead to this next part of the question, really, which is, um, you know. If, if not him, and if not anyone else in his lifetime, and, and not even anyone else afterwards, for that matter, until, was it 2012? Maybe you can kind of pick us up with the story at that point to help us understand sure. how this project kind of came to be with both of you. Yeah, if I, if, I set, if I set the ball rolling on that one, I mean, there were at least three people I know of who were given the task uh, of writing his biography. I won't say with tremendous enthusiasm, from Dr. King himself, but he certainly authorized them to do so. But there were what various reasons uh, why those three never did. And um, then after his passing, um, it was really a question of who was going to do it. Um, the, the, there were a lot of people, well, not a lot, but there was a number of people who knew him. 
um, fairly well and some very well. Um, I say very well. It's all relative, of course, with him because he was so robust that one mm. could only sort of scratch the surface of his enormous per persona. But there were a number of people and we went through various incarnations, didn't we, Brian, of, of, of sort of groups of people. And it, it was going to be really, I think, a series of essays up until the time but when uh, Brian and I were given it. That's mm. true. It was ending up being, uh, you know, there are certain uh, books and biographies even uh, written by several people, with different chapters and whatnot, and different voices. And mm. it was almost heading somewhat in that direction. And I'm just not sure that that would have been um, the best way to accomplish this task. No, it's a strange thing that, you know, and I include Brian and myself in this, who were two of them. There must have been eight, nine, ten sort of people named mm -hmm. for different tasks for the biography. Mm -hmm. And right. I don't know when this started, but it could have been within three or four years of his passing, that early, that these various projects were mooted. And nobody really did it. One person did write some things, particularly about his very, very early life, Mm -hmm. um, but that's all, and that was the one aspect of, of his life that he was least keen on, wasn't it, Brian, being written about? For, very much so. No, he wanted to concentrate on um, pretty much after the command, uh, a little bit um, in the war, but uh, certainly nothing before the war was he that interested in uh, when, 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 when one would talk with him. He wouldn't really mm -hmm. talk that much about the, the early times. Yeah, and Perhaps one of the people that – sorry – Go on. No, no. Yeah, go, go for it. Thank I was going to say one of the people that he did give the permission to write a biography of him, although it never developed, he's, he wanted that person to start in 1954. Right. Any, so anyway, I mean, mm. th this research that was done by, um, actually it was Richard Medway, was, was valuable and we used it and we appreciated it. But um, we sort of came together um, in early 2013, Brian and I, I mean, he was, he was the two secretaries of the two headquarters, and uh, nothing was really It's interesting happening. where we came together, too, wasn't it? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to pick up on uh, that? No, feel free. Okay. Well, in, in the beginning of some uh, members who hear this might remember that January the 23rd of, of uh, 2013, we launched our new temple in, in London, and uh, Brian and, and many others actually came over for that event, and, and in case of Brian, help us to, to perform the ritual for that opening. Uh, and as a Californian, it, I just want to jump in, it was snowing very hard yeah. on that day, just, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> It was actually snowing, wasn't it, on the day of the it opening? Was. It wasn't a great day to pick in many ways, but, you know, certainly not weather-wise, but it was a perfect day in terms of it was his birthday, um, birth date. But after that, we, uh, Brian and I went on it. We decided to go up to Gisborough, actually, and especially to Rosebury Topping. And uh, Rosebury Topping, in fact, uh, is... Um, a place with great significance to Dr. King, both in his childhood and in his mystical pilgrimage that he undertook in 1978. And we thought no better place to really try and get some inspiration and really try and get this going um, and, and, and get a plan. We must do this biography, especially while people you know, are, are around who actually knew him very well. Right. And off we went up there and... One thing that happened just shortly after the uh, opening of our temple was one of our members uh, was a former sub-editor at a major world magazine. And 
was asking about the biography and uh, I was telling her the plan which still existed of these eight or nine people doing different bits and she said well doesn't it need a voice and mm. uh, that was a professional opinion um, and I had to you know it stopped me in my tracks and Brian also when I told him and so the long and the short of it is we went up to, we did a pilgrimage to Rosebury Topping, a wonderful experience, not good weather, but a wonderful experience. Went back to uh, Gisborough Hall Hotel, where the centenary event's taking place. And there we drew up a plan together, uh, which we then presented to the Board of International Directors. I think, I think you've, you've brought up a couple of very interesting points there, which is that um, you know, you walked in the footsteps of our master to Rosebury Topping. You, you've conceived this plan there. Um, that's what we're doing as part of actually the, the centenary weekend. But yeah. it's actually something that you did together many times during the course of the writing of the biography, making these, well, for want of a better word, pilgrimages to different places in America and Great Britain um, yeah. to sort of walk in his footsteps. And I wondered if you could share a little bit about some of these places you went to and their significance um, in this collaboration process of, of, of writing the book together. Yes. Um, anything you want to say on that, Brian, before I do? Well, it, it was um, – we went to several very, very important places in our master's um, history, in his childhood especially. And it was, for me, uh, being from America and then residing in California for so many years, it was it really helped me get into uh, a greater tune um, with uh, Dr. King's um, – upbringing and where he came from and uh, because the small towns uh, of England are just a world of difference a world away from where um, I spent so many years with Dr. King in Los Angeles and it really helped me get a, a better understanding of the vibe shall we say uh, mm -hmm. of Dr. King and, and I also want to say too it was very helpful for um, Richard and I to go to these places together because it, yeah. it kind of almost behind the scenes created a uh, a joint vision um, yes in, in, in not even in our minds so much but in, in our in our aura you could even say that uh, and then mm -hmm. the process then kind of developed so it kind of came to the surface kind of that's true that's very true and i think it's quite an intangible thing to say exactly what it did it was much more mm. than research mm. sort of was an attunement and an attunement mm. that we were doing together as brian said some of the places we went to as well as, well as gisborough and, and rosebury topping in this country went to a place called donnington wood uh, mm. near Wellington in Shropshire where he was actually born that was wow. important we went to a place called St Moore's in Cornwall where he had very memorable St Moore's very he had a 65 hour meditation there uh, in 1955 I believe it was and that's where he conceived the Ethereum Society symbol in, in St Moore's um, we, you know, we, we went to Avebury uh, and mm. the, that area mm. which where there's an entrance to the Mother Earth through which he had travelled at a very significant time, very significant trip. That, they, those are just some of the places in this country. And then for me, um, when we were in America, and um, Brian and Ashima and Alison and I went round some of the spots where Operation Powerlight had taken place, right at the end of his life, 
Mm-hmm. And I, I'd been privileged to actually be in Santa Barbara when one phase of the mission was done actually from his residence or from the motorhome on his residence, uh, on the site of his residence, but not round these various places, which, of course, Brian was mm. at the, the center of that mission with the master. And that, although... I didn't do the main writing on Powerlight in the biography. Brian did the main thing on that, naturally. It did certainly affect my understanding of that whole period of his life. I was with him a lot in that period, but it did just sort of change my perspective because it was such an enormous mission, one that sometimes gets passed over. So it's very hard to sort of put your finger, Darren, on what it did, but, yeah, I think it, it attuned us to the master and brought us together on the project. I think what it underlines yeah. for me, and I'm certainly, certainly I'm sure all our listeners too, is that this is really no ordinary book, um, that we're no. talking about a, a tremendous amount of inspiration required to put this down. Um, and it, it always makes me want to bring back to another point about you know, why this wasn't written early and the sense of timing, Brian, that you brought up, and whether this was something that you feel that you could have even written five years ago as as authors? Well, that's a good question. Um, yeah. I, for myself, I don't think that um, I was in a position uh, even five years ago to uh, have been able to get to the, um, some, some of the depths of uh, what we discovered. Uh, mm. it, it's, just, it's hard to even say exactly why, but, uh, you know, the, Dr. King has so many layers and, uh, one thing that we, we learned through this biography is that, um, you know, we, we think that we, we know more than most people because we were close to Dr. King. But the more you study, you realize that there's so many more layers to Dr. King. And so um, these, these years, uh, 20, 20 odd years after uh, his passing, um, it, it took this long to get to a position to be able to get to the, these deeper levels uh, for myself, I would say. Well, I, I agree with that. And I, I absolutely, definitely could not have written the biography, this biography anyway, five years ago. I mean, we could have written a biography mm-hmm. um, and, you know, it would have covered some of the main events and some anecdotes and, and some insights. But this was, the timing was, was right, certainly, I think for both of us, obviously. I mean, mm. I, I'm just speaking for myself. I had to go through some soul-searching. Um, I was very privileged to be extremely close to our master and uh, honored by him in numerous ways and in touch with him virtually every day for at least 20 years, either by phone or, or in person. Um, so, you know, I had that contact. But what I hadn't done was really examine my own shortcomings. And for me, that was necessary because... This book sort of breaks the barriers and all the baggage has to be dispensed with. And one has to be extremely honest. It's a, I think it's a very, well, I know it's a very honest book. And mm. it went much further than either of us expected. Even in 2013, it went, it went further, oh, yeah. by, I would say, by far, I agree with you, um, than what we yeah. had envisioned in 2013. It was a journey. And yeah. um, as we went along the journey, um, new things were discovered um, every step of the way. There's a lot oh. of new aspects in this. Uh, there are some new thoughts in this. 
And let's be clear, this is not like the opinions of Richard and Brian, this book. I mean, anything that isn't factually verified in transmissions or quotes or experiences that were shared by a number of people, are, are anything that isn't of that kind isn't put down as a fact. So if, But we did definitely break new ground in very significant ways, which are things that the master himself even never said, um, so there are a lot of revelations and, and, you know, we put in these thoughts as food for speculation, if you like, mm, right. uh, realizations mm. that we're sharing and people can form their own conclusions about them. Well, interesting thing too, for me, is that a lot of these things that we discovered were, were there in plain sight, but true. Uh, you, you had to, you had to kind of string these, these clues together, um, even though they were in plain sight, to really make make them uh, understandable, uh, which mm-hmm. which which was which was was fascinating, really. Of course, and it was absolutely gigantic. And you know, we, as Brian said, when we started, we we tried to decide who it was being written for. You know, is this mm. is this a book <laughs> to introduce the public to this master? Uh, like that wonderful, you know, autobiography of a yogi uh, by Yoganandri, only even more significant. Is it that sort of thing? And it just took its own life on, and it, it was it was far more than that, and it wasn't really that. It, it ended mm. up as a, a fulsome revelation of as much truth as we could possibly reveal um, about the master, because it has to go down. If it doesn't go down now, I think by people who actually knew him very well, it can't go down very easily. It'll, it'll be lost. It'll be yeah. lost. And so we yeah. didn't hold back. So, you know, posterity became a much bigger factor, I think, than we'd planned it to be. Right. And it's, it seemed to be, well, it is a scripture, I believe. So would you say that this is, you know, pretty much what needed to be said about the master or what um, even beings in the higher realms wanted to be said about him in order to reveal who he was and what he really did for us? Well, it's not channeled um, material at all, just to be really clear about that. Um, it's certainly, um, the book has a destiny and it's guided. And I, for one, I mean, I was, Brian was extremely generous uh, in sort of giving me the lead writing role. And also because that makes it easier to read. Although the book is the two of us, completely the two of us all the way through. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't say it was in any way channeled. Uh, but certainly it had its own destiny. I almost felt like I wasn't in control of where it went so much as trying to keep up and discover where it was going. Right. And I think certainly, as you say, about it almost being like a scripture, it, that really, for me, speaks to the, the kind of audience that it's for, that, that genuine seeker, that person who is really looking for truth. Yeah, mm, yeah it, it's, it's definitely for that person, yes. And, and, and it's, it's understandable. It's very full-on. But it's very understandable. We, try, we made sure of that. And then they can form their own conclusions entirely up to them. But they must know about this. It must be known and it must go out. And as you said at the beginning, Darren, through the realms, I believe. Yeah. It's also very well referenced. So, you know, someone can read the book and um, it's, it's got a, a very thorough um, bibliography and, and yeah. notes. And then there's a, you know associated website that you can go to. So, you know, the, the, the book itself is really a starting point to the real uh, seeker. Um, they can kind mm-hmm. of really delve into the, the, the beautiful 
um, deep essence of Dr. King um, from this, this book very easily, and it'll be a great journey for anyone who wishes to take up that, that journey for themselves. No, I think that's, that's yeah. a good point. Because yeah. the other thing it brings up to me is that another aspect of being this genuine seeker is that you know you don't have these preconceived notions of, of what you want to be true or not be true. It's just as long as it is, as it is true. And right. that person mm-hmm. is right. someone who will, go, who will go out of their way to find that truth and then live and act in the light of it in service to others, which is you know this journey of discovery about who and what Dr. King really was gives that genuine seeker that opportunity. It does, and I, I would say it's. Um, we mentioned a scripture, and I, I, I know that's quite something to say. But I, when you think what it is, it isn't really because if you look at other scriptures or you consider them, such as the Gospels, uh, yeah. such as some of the writings about the Lord Buddha, some of the writings about Sri Krishna, um, and, and so on. Uh, in fact, you won't find writings about, say, Lao Tse, for example, or some things about no. Confucius, but. None of them, it seems to me, for a start, they don't examine the fourth aspect, the the cosmic intelligence in the Earth physical body aspect, because it wasn't really known, or if it was known, it wasn't the time to reveal it. And they don't go very, very deep. I mean, some of the people who wrote them probably may not have even met Jesus. I I don't know. Or if they did, at, at a great distance... So you're not getting much about what made this great master tick as a person. You know, whether he enjoyed uh, giving speeches on a mount or not, you don't hear any, you know, anything much about you. You get the facts and you get the essential or some of the essential teachings, even if we assume it hasn't been modified later. But even if it was accurate, you're not getting an insight into this condition of this intelligence and I mean, in, the, in this biography, there's 100,000 words, and we're trying, among other things, to, as best we can anyway, to say, what is it like for uh, a, a being to come from another world and live among us? And what was it right. like for him? Right. The other, other thing, too, is that um, unlike all the other uh, avatars and cosmic masters have come to Earth, Dr. King um, really opened up the uh, vision of what it, what life is like beyond Earth, and told us, um, like no one else, how they these great ones beyond Earth interact with mankind, and so it, it's that makes it an even greater story because it's, it's it's beyond spirituality of Earth, but it goes on to beyond Earth and, and how these great beings interact and what what it's like to work with uh, interplanetary beings beyond Earth. It, it's a it's an amazing mm. story. Yeah, it really is. Us, yeah, we're getting this this cosmic story, aren't we, with him, which which we mm. haven't had before. But I think I really want to underline what what what, what you said here, because um, you know we can examine the lives of, of other avatars, as you said, but we can't understand at all what it was like to be them, and we, mm. we're certainly given no yeah. inkling of it from whatever historic documents that are still available to us today. And in that respect, this book is is, is really completely unique in in revealing that aspect of what it was like for him to be here and even what sort of person that he was. Yeah, I think what I would observe, and Jesus is an excellent, the Master Jesus is a great example of this, is that there, there will be a tendency to do two things. One is, well, they call him God. 
Uh, so so right. to put these intelligences yeah. on a pedestal, they're unattainable, they're way beyond us, beyond us and they're sort of, it, it seems to be almost easy for them because they're right. that, that's the one extreme. Mm -hmm. And then yep. the other is to sort of play them down a bit. I mean, here we're supposed to believe that Jesus was actually tricked by one of his own disciples. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, and, and the way that St. Peter is treated is even worse, actually. Yeah. So we, yeah. I think it's unbalanced. In, and I don't, not just picking on one religion, because I think you'd find it with Sri Krishna. I think you'd find it in other places, too. In this, we're trying to show him, you know, as he really was, uh, living as he was. He wasn't God. And he'd be the first one to say that and be very annoyed if anyone said that. He didn't even call himself a god. We might mm -hmm. beg to differ with him on that point. But he he was a rounded being. And, and masters aren't all the same. I mean, Jesus isn't the same as Krishna, isn't the same as Buddha, isn't the same as Lao Tse, etc., etc. Isn't the same as Hercules. They're very distinctive, more distinctive than your average basic human being is distinctive. And mm. we've tried to show who he was and, and how he operated. You know, our, our job also was to um, put him up to at least closer to his stature than he truly was. Because yes. as you know, Richard and I both discovered, he went out of his way to hide who he was, hide what Very he much. was. And so it was up to us to um, kind of find these little little tidbits and little nuggets that he would put out there and the cosmic masses would put out there, put them together and raise him up to a, a, a truer standing um, uh, of what he was. And that was, that yeah. was the really, uh, the fascinating bit to find out because, you know, Richard and I both had a tremendous respect for Dr. King to begin with. Um, yeah, but to writing this biography, it, it went way, way higher than that. And that, I didn't Did. really expect that myself. No, that's very, very true. It was exponential. It was enormous. It keep you awake at night. It was so mm. gigantic. And perhaps after the break, because I think a break is due around now, um, that's uh, right. Darren, uh, we can pick up there uh, and the way he did go out of his way to conceal his true greatness. That's right. So we'll hand it over to you, Nikki, for a couple of moments, and I'll pick up on that thread when we come back. Right, well, thank you so very much, Richard, Brian, and Darren. You are listening to A Serious Radio Live with host Richard Lawrence and his guest Brian Kniep, answering questions posed by Darren Ball, giving us all a fascinating insight as to how Dr. King's biography developed. As always, the A Serious Society is very busy, so please do bear with me on these announcements. There are pilgrimages to two holy mountains as follows. Friday, August 23rd, the Old Man of Coniston in Cumbria, UK. Saturday, August 31st, Mount Baldy in California, USA. The all-important once-in-a-lifetime weekend of centenary celebration being held in Gisborough are as follows. Saturday, August 24th, celebratory luncheon and launch of the much-awaited biography of Dr. George King, copies of which will be personalized by both Richard and Brian. Regrettably, 
Bookings can no longer be taken as we've breached the hotel's maximum limit. But on Sunday, August 25th, there's a pilgrimage to a North York Moors landmark of great significance to Dr. King called Rosebury Topping. You are welcome to join us there, and we hope to start our service sometime after 10 a.m. So for more information, please contact the European headquarters in London for these details. 12 midnight GMT, September 3rd, held in the first hour of the third spiritual push for 2019, when the Theory Society centers worldwide welcomes again into orbit of Earth, the giant spacecraft we know as a third satellite flooding our world with much-needed spiritual energy. The spiritual push lasts until October the 9th, during which all spiritual actions performed with selfish motive are enhanced by a factor of 3,000 times. You are very warmly welcome to attend any of our centres for this potent first hour service. At the Michigan branch at Royal Oak on Saturday, September the 6th, Richard Medway, visiting from the American headquarters, will be given the lecture entitled The Nuclear Crisis versus Spiritual Science. And for details, please visit ethereus.mi.org for details. In London, we have Sunday, September the 1st, workshop with Aya Malik and John Claire Davis, King Yoga Breathing for Inner Peace. Tuesday, September 10th, a King Yoga Experience event entitled Higher Realms of Existence with Noemi Bates. At the American headquarters in Los Angeles, there's a King Yoga Experience event being held on Saturday, September the 14th, entitled City Yogi. How to, be a spiritual and, how to be spiritual and successful in a material world. As always, you're very welcome to join us every Saturday and Sunday in the live online 12 Blessings service. And for more details, please visit 12blessings.org. That's 12 in digits. For full details of all activities mentioned in this show, please visit Aetherius.org. And a reminder, the next Aetherius Radio Live is on September the 17th, which will be covering a truly revealing subject. Richard and Chrissy will be discussing when Dr. King, Dr. George King realized he was from another world. Do not miss that one, or indeed, any of the upcoming and exciting Aetherius Radio Live shows. So that's it for now, and I'm pleased to return you to Darren Ball. Thanks very much, Nikki. Richard and Brian, I was just um, just reflecting over the break of, of this um, this peeling back of the layers, you've called it, Brian, and uh, just recounting my own experience observing you know, in the last few years um, as you've been going on these trips and returning and starting to share this unfolding these unfolding revelations um, that you were discovering, and also you know sharing them as part of addresses and things you were doing, and I can certainly attest to that unfolding and peeling back the layers, and and even I think um, you both have called it the detective role that you had to adopt in order to really discover who Dr. King was, and I wondered if you could talk a little bit more about that kind of discovery process that you both went through together. Sure. Um, I think one of the seminal things, Brian, was when we looked at the uh, four aspects of creation experience. Mm. And, you know, the way that he put that over. I mean, first of all, there are, I think, the first reference uh, to um, him looking within to discover himself came from actually St. Peter in December of 19, as early as 1956, and he sort of said that one among you will shortly discover who he too has been, mm, or worse right, to that effect. Right, so right. They, it was on the agenda that early. Wow. Um, 
Now, this, this four aspects of creation um, experience uh, was one that he had in, I think it was May 1958, it was certainly 58, and it was um, where he was overshadowed by the intelligence that he called his master, and we, we can say more about that in a moment, but Brian and I, in looking at this, because it's a lecture which some of our members will be very familiar with, uh, is quite complex and uh, difficult to follow to some degree um, mm. until you start to do what we did was think well why was this given to him and you know he ties it in in his lecture to a, another um, transmission a meditation for this age by Mars Sector 6 and ties those together as a teaching uh, it's a brilliant teaching but we certainly concluded Brian and I that this was not this was not given primarily as a teaching to us, uh, that this was primarily given to him to explain to him the exact nature of the condition he was in. And it went further than that. And you'll notice those who are familiar with the four aspects of creation, it's all in reference to Martians. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not about Venusians or Jupiterians, the reference is always Martian as the example right. given. And we went further and even concluded, and this is quite, a, and I'll put this down as one of the things that Brian and I sort of realized, but leave open to people to decide whether or what their views on it are, that the intelligence that he often referred to as his master uh, in the early days and onwards through, I think, in, even into the 70s, mm. um, which he describes as a very prominent Martian and who he said it would be too revealing to disclose his identity we wow. concluded that this intelligence was actually his own full aspect or his own higher aspect. Yes, it's an it's a outstanding thought, and personally, I think I was I was shocked to see that these revelations that you've made, mentioned were not just made in the latter years of his life, but but so early actually um, in his mission. And mm -hmm. perhaps you could talk also about maybe the extent that he went to actually conceal this aspect of who he really was. Sure. Do you want to talk about that, Brian? Well, that, yes, that, that happened several times. I mean, if you go yes. back to the early teachings, uh, early transmissions, um, the Cosmic Masters would often say um, fairly clearly um, that Dr. King was one of the adepts, um, that he was uh, uh, of cosmic origin. Um, but whenever these things came up, um, Dr. King um, deflected, deflected them as much as he could, um, put them on mm -hmm. like page six, if you will. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, did everything he could to to get people to not really focus on that and not think of that. He still mm. he did what he was told to do. He some in some cases he had to he had to print them, um, but he would almost he find, it, it's it's almost miraculous when you think about it. But somehow he got people not to notice it. Which is mm -hmm. you could say is crazy, but that but he succeeded, and right the way up you know when I first uh, came into the society in the in the in the mid seventies, um, uh, that was the, the that was the the opinion is that uh, he was not a cosmic intelligence. Now when you got closer to him, of course you would find out that he he was, but it, it was quite well concealed um, yeah. throughout the wow. teachings. Uh, it's, That's it's very true. I mean, when, how we did it. When the period that Brian and I both came in in the 1970s, he was portrayed as a Western master of yoga. 
and that's really playing it down. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> incredibly playing it down. And actually, I, I would I have to say that there's at least two examples I know of where he changed slightly changed transmissions to conceal mm. the reference to himself when they were published. He, he didn't sort of alter the fundamental meaning of them, but they threw threw people off the scent of who he was. And actually, during strange things happened during the writing of the biography. And one was that a file, a minute, came to light. I believe from Barnsley, a copy had got up there somehow, and it, it came to us. And it was um, a, a minute from the early early 1959 in London oh, right. before he yeah. went to America, and it described some notes on a transmission from St. Gulen, because the sad fact is, I'm afraid, that some of the transmissions weren't mm. kept. They were copied over, even significant ones occasionally in those early days, which is unthinkable, really, but it did happen. However, these notes exist, and one of them says, openly and definitely in a committee minute, George King came from Mars, volunteered for his mission a 100 years ago, He's had no previous terrestrial incarnations, has considerable cosmic status, and soon, in cosmic voice, everyone will see a reference to this Martian individual. <laughs> Bombshell, isn't that it? did not happen, I have to didn't say. Didn't happen. <laughs> no, uh, he wasn't willing to do that, and it didn't suit him to do that, and one can think of various reasons why, um, but one, uh, you know, to keep in classified role and so forth, but... He himself, it, he, he, it was his also his great humility. I, I think this really underscores for me the, the, the great importance of this biography in, in revealing who he was. Because, I mean, you talked about coming to the side in the 1970s and, and that Western master of yoga being, you know, what was mm -hmm. kind of the accepted wisdom. But even me coming in, you know, 2009 when I first came across the Theorist Society, that's the way that I understood it as well. And and over mm. the years, slowly, the, the truth kind of comes out. But here it is in this book, absolute mm. bombshell revelation about 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 what he was, and as it says there, his cosmic stature. I think it's yeah. It's, it's, it's I incredible. think that's true. I mean, and also he, in every way, he played himself down. I mean, to describe himself as a medium mm. is to play down tremendously what he did. We go in some mm. depth into you know, the form of so-called mediumship that he used. And it's nothing like any other medium I've ever heard of. And I, I've done basic, very basic mediumship compared to what he did. It's not even in, it shouldn't be the same word even. And mm. others, no one, I mean, if you look at Alice Bailey, you can look at Madame Blavatsky. No one has described a state of communication in the way that he did and no one has practiced the form of mediumship that what he calls mediumship that he did, that I know of. Uh, right. They may have done, but if they did, they haven't revealed it or written about it. Um, and it's, 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 again, a way of playing himself down. He's a medium. You know? Well, right. he's right. way above that. It's something yeah. above what we know of as mediumship, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I think well, that's it's like that he, he, went through, he went through so many of these amazing things uh, so quickly that he... Uh, you know, part of it was that he didn't want to put attention to it, but the other part of it was that he just had so many other things to do. Um, yeah. Practically, he couldn't he couldn't focus on all these amazing things, and because the transmission was just one of many things that he did, um, just way, way, way better than even he would say.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, you know, the, his control over Kundalini and the powers uh, mm. is, as far as I know, and certainly in terms of what's been revealed anyway, unique. Mm. Right. Uh, and you can't compare his idea of just, I mean, readers will be, people will be familiar with this. You can't compare his description of cosmic consciousness, for example, with Yogananda's description. And Yogananda's a wonderful person who he respected greatly. So it's not a criticism. It's just that he was in a completely different league, which I'm quite sure Yogananda would be the first to agree with. Mm. I, one, one other thing it does bring us to, and, and I'd love to talk a little bit more about <clears throat> the collaboration that you both have on this on this project because another thing that kind of emerges from a study of the master's life in the book is his relationship to the mother earth which is something that probably we hardly appreciate at all or, or have even begun to realize and i thought brian maybe you could talk a little bit more about how significant this really was and how this sort of came um to the surface as part of this collaboration together with richard well and that is a very good point, and it's very remarkable how this came to pass. Uh, but, you know, we always knew um, from Dr. King uh, forming Operation Sunbeam and uh, doing things like this that he had a tremendous regard and, and love and reverence uh, for the Mother Earth. Um, but the more that we, we studied um, him and, and, and for this biography, it, it got to be even, it seemed that it was more significant somehow, uh, his relationship. Uh, with the Mother Earth, and uh, you know, Richard came to me one time, or, or somehow got across to me one time that that he felt um, that there was a, a whole other dimension of um, the, this rapport between our Master and the Mother Earth, and mm-hmm. and I, I kind of I felt that that was that's going in the right direction, but I felt that you know it might 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 be a little bit too far because here's this 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 planetary being you know i mean how can how can that work and then um out of the blue i discovered this um address that dr king gave i think it was 1979 right uh, around the time of the beginning of operation sunbeam plan b where he stated in the open in an address in los angeles that he was overshadowed by the mother earth herself and everyone who heard that didn't remember it, including myself. Um, and yet I, I was redirected to it at this exact time when we were writing that chapter. And it really confirmed uh, what we both felt was that, you know, um, the master really was, um, was almost, we think now, called to come here, um, or needed to be here um, by the Mother wow. Earth during this significant time um, of her initiation. Absolutely. And, you know, I must say this was a, is a very good example. I think it's the probably the most important example, actually, of us going way beyond where we expected to go mm. when we set about doing this biography. Because in our conversations, I mean, we'd, we'd sort of come to the conclusion, and if you think about it, the very fact, just to name one thing, that he gave his mission, Operation Earthlight, to the Great White Brotherhood, for which... Lord Babaji was most grateful, you know, and expressed yes, in a very humble way. Um, You think, why? I mean, how how could he know? How could he be in a position to know what the Earth wants? I Mm. mean, the the and 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 to know how to design the equipment which they couldn't improve on Mm. uh, for it, and it started to 
I even reached the point where I was wondering whether the timing of the initiation of Earth was set because he was here. And I, I did realize, we talked about it, and that, that is just one step too far. I mean, this is a, a, a planet, and that can't be set even by the greatest of avatars. That must be set. But I definitely concluded that she wanted him here at this time. I'd go that far. That he had some kind of relationship with her before he came here. But I wanted to run it by brand. Right. I wanted to see if I was losing it and going OTT and, <laughs> you know, can we actually say this? And then Brian just came up with this or came to this within days, this, this mm. transmission mm. that he'd been overshadowed yep. by the Mother Earth. And, you know, I, now you listen to, a, a, for example, a, a well-known uh, lecture that he gave, Psychic Self-Defense. And in, in there, he says, you know, I've got a, I can't remember the words, but I've got a very good relationship with the mother, I think he says in there, because <laughs> he's talking about the Divine Mother principle. But you think, gosh, you know, what, what, what does that really mean? Right. Mm. And and so, you know, we concluded that, yes, definitely he came. Because one of the revelations in this, which is now out and open for all to know, is that he is an aspect of Adept number one. And yes, he came here, as has been revealed with the other two Adepts, to fight these terrible battles that had to be fought. But also, he must have come here for her to be here at this time Otherwise, how come he was the one who knew that, it, that Operation Sunbeam should be done, who knew that Operation Earthlight should be done, who was the only person, we're told, on Earth who could perform Operation Blue Water and design the equipment for it, rather? Um, how did he have that inbuilt in his brain to know mm. what she needed? And the penny started to drop, and I think that's, the most profound realization actually in the biography. Oh, complete, yep. complete. And also when you look at um, uh, some of the books he wrote, especially uh, Visit to the Logos of Earth, uh, where you have, you know, it, of all the books that he, he wrote, the most, that way has way more emotion um, and warmth mm -hmm. into it um, and really comes across um, in, in, in uh the different things that he describes in that book, that there is there's a very, very special closeness uh, between him and the Mother Earth that really we didn't really understand uh, until we uncovered this um, this truth. Yeah. And I think, actually, to, to underscore what you're saying, and that I think it's important to draw out for, for anyone listening and who is going to read this book, is that... Um, as I think you said earlier in the show, Richard, that this does not represent just your opinion as Richard and Brian, that this, mm. that this text has really been endorsed by much more than that. And maybe you could talk a little bit about who has given this book sort of their stamp of approval, if you will, and, and sure. what it represents in that respect. Yeah. Sure. So when, when we went up to Gisborough in the beginning of 2013 and we drew up this proposal for the board, uh, we received from the board their full agreement on the whole thing to do it, just the two of us then. So the eight or nine people who had been involved uh, were no longer going to write this. It hadn't worked, it hadn't happened, and mm. it was now down to me and Brian to do it. And they accepted that, they agreed with that. Uh, we did write the first two chapters and let them read those two chapters so that we could see that they were comfortable or I think we, we, we had certain members of the board on behalf of the mm. board who read them 
and they were happy with them and the direction it was going. And then basically from then on, uh, it was just Brian and myself till the project finished. And then the whole thing was submitted. Once Brian and I were happy, Brian came over, we went to, so happens, I have some neighbors who aren't in the Ethereum Society <laughs> who own a house uh, in a place called Torrington in Devon. Now, Torrington uh, is where he had an extremely significant encounter. In fact, his second encounter, the first one is quite well known where he healed his mother and was visited by right. what was called an angel but was a cosmic intelligence. The second was in Torrington just prior to the war, the very beginning mm -hmm. of the war as a young man. And so we finished the book there. And only when we'd both been through it thoroughly um, and were absolutely sort of happy to do so, we've then passed it to the entire board and all members of the board, and not only members of the board, um, for example, another person, Chrissy, uh, who helps to co-host this show, actually, normally. Um, mm. She read it. She's a writer herself and, and others. And we got a lot of feedback, some from more than others. We, we got quite a lot of feedback from certain members of the board and others gave, everyone gave some feedback everyone thought it was not just good but really good um it's not for me to say what they actually said but that sort of thing and but there was a lot of feedback and they didn't all agree with each other that always happens if you edited anything by committee that happens i've experienced that before <laughs> but right. um we we basically ended up taking on board various points from different members of the board um and then, having done so, making sure that all of them were happy with the final result after that process, which they all were, and then after that, it went through an extremely thorough fact-checking uh, before the proofing started, in-depth fact-checking with several people involved in that um, at the European headquarters, uh, working for weeks and weeks, checking facts, um, not just from our teachings, but from every area and that happened and then after that there was an in-depth proofing process so yeah it, it, and, and also some of the younger um, people here read it as well to give us some feedback they didn't actually make changes but they read it and you know in the end that's the final book so it's to, talking about it what your question Darren it was it's authorized and approved by every single member of the board very very wholeheartedly it's not right. just like Brian and I have gone off and written a book together and here it is. Um, right. Thoroughly researched and, and you know, and, and again, we encourage people to uh, check the, uh, the the resources in the book because uh, it, it, mm. it's there. Mm -hmm. so it sounds like what you're saying that this is this is really an approved take, you could say, the consensus of many of the people who knew him, and that you know, as a result of all of this fact checking and the research that's got that's gone into it, um, you know. It's, it's it's clear as well for people, um, as you said before, what's what's opinion and also what is what really happened, what people really said. Which you might study other kinds of, of books um, and really wonder whether that happened or whether that was really said. And I think yeah, and with the history of, of sort of religious scripture, one has to be very very careful because we know what happened in certain religions where documents were altered according to the mm, climate right. of the day. And we want people to know that this is you know, very, very thoroughly researched and that ev there isn't anything in it that any member of the board is uncomfortable with at all and they've all read it or anybody that we know who's read it, which must be at least another dozen people 
who are experienced staff members, not one thing in it anybody's uncomfortable with. I think I think that gives people something tremendous to look forward to, um, which also then brings me to kind of a closing here, which I'd like to I'd like to ask is if if you had to sum up for people what it is about this biography and why it is that they should buy it and read it, what do you think that you would say to them? Just before we do that, can I just also say, in talking about its sort of provenance, if you like, there are a number of people also, in addition to Brian and myself, and in addition to quotes from our own teachings, our own journals, our own records, including the master's records before the command, by the way. Mm. Um, In addition to that, there are a number of individuals who are quoted in it from both from the very early days, as far as we can, all the way through up to the latter part of his life. Um, I I just want to add that in as well. So, Brian, do you want to answer Darren's question first? (laughs) Or would you like me to? Well, I can give it a shot. I mean, it's, Mm. it's... I think that we have uncovered um, uh, that Dr. King is is the uh, uh, most important avatar to come to Earth. And Mm -hmm. you have a chance of reading um, a biography of of this individual um, by two very, very close um, disciples of him. And if you really want to understand... Uh, what's happening on Earth and what's going to be happening happening in the future? Um, the best place to start is by understanding this tremendous avatar who came at this incredibly significant time on Earth. And <laughs> read the book. I agree. I agree with that. And I think also I'm hoping and I believe, and in fact I've already been told by some people already, including yourself, Darren that it enables people to have a deeper connection with their master. Exactly. People who've never physically met him, he'll loom large in your life uh, if you take on board what's in this biography. There, there are no holds barred. There is no sort of secrets that we know that aren't in there uh, of any importance at all. Um, there, even the secret that uh, you know was withheld by those who heard the mystical pilgrimage seminar is in there about what he realised on Rosebury Topping. There are many revelations that have never been made before, which are mm. factually verifiable. And I think what it will do is make the reader realise, as Brian and I did in our journey, just how enormous, how gigantic uh, this avatar is. And then hopefully uh, you too can become a disciple. You don't have to physically meet someone to become a disciple. That, that's happened through history. And you too can connect with your master and that connection will then pay rich dividends in your life and your future lives. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you to you both. I think I'll just leave people with a, with a final um, word here. Maybe you can tell us when the book is coming out and when it might be available for people to buy so that they can pick it up as well and be a part of this journey. Yes, it's coming out on Sunday. We're launching it on Saturday in Gisborough at an event which is actually full now. Um, and it's actually going to be available from Sunday for people to get um, uh, around the world. That's the 25th of August. Um, as, as mentioned, the next broadcast is going to be on a certain aspect of this book, which we've even touched on today, actually. And then the broadcast after, I'm hoping, will be Chrissy and Bryant also talking about the companion website, which we should mention, which is also coming out this weekend, isn't it, Brian? It certainly is. 
Much thanks to Darren and many other people that worked on that. It's it's a great companion website for the book. Well, thank you both so much. Uh, it's a tremendous uh, inspiration. I cannot wait for people to, to read it and to be inspired and even to, to change in the light of it um, with a life focused on the inspiration and the action that he inspired us to do in our life. So I'll hand it over to you, Nikki, and thank you both again, Richard and Brian, for the show today. Thank you, Darren. Thank you, Darren. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Richard. Well, oh my goodness, wow. What do I say except thank you so very much, Richard and Brian, for answering so many questions and giving us all such a personal insight into the writing of the biography. And thank you, Darren, for presenting these. You have been listening to A Serious Radio Live, which is your cosmic connection, the third Tuesday of each month. As always, our website, Aetherius.org, has more information and details of the various publications and audio titles available on CD or download. You can connect with your hosts, Chrissy Blaze and Richard Lawrence, by visiting their respective websites, chrissyblaze.com and richardlawrence.co.uk. I'm very pleased to say that Brian's website, briankanique.com, will become live on August the 25th, so do visit that one, please. And as a reminder, please join us for the next Serious Radio Live on September 15th on that fascinating subject, when Dr. George realized he was from another world. We really hope you enjoyed listening to A Serious Radio Live, and we look forward so very much to being with you next month.